0: Never in my life did I conceive that my ears would carry so much responsibility. I have my glasses on my ears, have the mask on my ears, now I have this microphone on my ears. Uh, appreciate your ears, they do a lot, especially during this time. Um, October being Pastor Appreciation Month, it is very good that this body of Christ reflects and honors uh, Pastor Daniel Molenkoff. He's a good friend of mine. He's been a great mentor, a great brother in Christ, and uh, I admire him so much, and uh, I'm blessed. I'm blessed to have him as a friend, as a colleague, and uh, I know that that he's a great blessing to this congregation. Uh, Before continuing on, At the beginning of this year, when this pandemic began, our congregation went through a really, really difficult time. Majority of, uh, if not all, the majority of our congregation are made up of pretty much blue collar workers. And so um, a lot of those jobs got cut. Uh, Some of them couldn't even recover, they weren't ever able to return. And so had to start from scratch again. And so in our time of need, uh, unexpectedly, because I didn't even ask, this was actually just a, a surprise to me. Daniel Malenkov uh, reached out and he said, hey, um, uh, it touched my heart, the conversation that we had the other day. And uh, after speaking with the congregation, we agreed to, to give you a love offering. Uh, you, you, you gotta bear with me. When I think of love offering, I think of, oh great, they're gonna you know, give us $500 or something to, to help out you know, for the month's bills. Uh, but the amount of, of financial help that y'all gave was overwhelming. Um, it was baffling, to be honest with you. And so um, even some of y'all uh, who didn't give with the congregation, who actually just sent your donations directly to, to the church address, to the temple address, Thank you so much. So I I really, I really pray that the Lord blesses you as much as y'all have blessed me and our congregation. So from First Christian Church, thank you so much. God bless y'all. I wanna read this morning a scripture and then afterwards I wanna say a short prayer If you can please follow with me there with your Bibles, I'm going to be reading out of the book of Ezra chapter 3, verses 10 through 13. Is it okay if I move this mic there? Okay, thank you. Ezra chapter 3, verses 10 through 13. The word of God says this, now when the builders had laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests stood in their apparel with trumpets. And the Levites, the son of Asaph, with symbols to praise the Lord according to the directions of King David of Israel. They sang, praising and giving thanks to the Lord, saying, for he is good, for his loving kindness is upon Israel forever. And all the people shouted with, great, with a great shout when they praised the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. Yet many of the priests and Levites and heads of the fathers' households The old men who had seen the first temple wept with a loud voice when the foundation of the house was laid before their eyes, while many shouted aloud for joy, so that the people could not distinguish the shout. Excuse me, so that the people could not distinguish the sound of the shout of joy from the sound of the weeping of the people, for the people shouted with a with a loud shout, and the sound was heard far away. Let us pray, Father God. I thank you so much for your holy word. I ask of you this morning that you lead us through the power of your Holy Spirit, open up open up our minds and our hearts. Let it be. Let us be alert and receptive and ready to receive what you have prepared for us. How many, Father God, may this message glorify you and be a blessing to your people. In the name of Jesus, we pray and we thank you. Amen. I want to go ahead and first set the scene for this passage in Ezra. The people of Israel have returned from Jerusalem after 70 years of slavery in Babylon. Now, Jerusalem uh, at the current moment is destroyed, and this includes the temple of God. And so then when Jerusalem, when the people of Israel return to Jerusalem, the first thing that they do is they rebuild the altar of God, and they begin once again celebrating the feasts of the Lord, they begin to sacrifice to the Lord. And then they begin to rebuild the foundation of the temple. And so at, uh, once they finish rebuilding the foundation, they begin to then celebrate this great accomplishment. So, today, when we read the passage, it gives us the details of how the people reacted once the foundation of the the temple was complete. The majority were filled with joy, and as we've read, they were celebrating this first step in in rebuilding the temple. Yet, some of the older generation uh, who had seen the first temple built by King Solomon were disappointed, they were sad. And so then God sends two prophets to address this issue. He sends Haggai and he sends Zechariah. And so this is where we're actually going to begin today. And the title of this message is called The Day of Small Things. And so I want to go ahead and begin first covering a disappointment with small beginnings. There where we read, it says in Ezra chapter 3, verse 12, that many of the priests and the Levites and the heads of the fathers and the households and the old men who had seen the first temple, remember the first temple that was built by King Solomon, they wept with a loud voice when the foundation of this house was laid before their eyes, while many shouted aloud for joy. So the first temple that was built by King Solomon had just a great, tremendous impact. And there was a lot of people who had seen, who had had experienced this. So now after 70 years of slavery, coming back to to Israel, specifically Jerusalem, trying to rebuild the city, trying to rebuild the temple. And so this is the second temple that after it being destroyed, they're going to try to rebuild it again. And so now as they begin the construction and they lay down the foundation and everybody is celebrating some of the older generation that they saw the first temple, they're, they're, they're disappointed. They're, they're, they're upset. They're sad. And maybe you've had that experience Somewhat similar in your life, when there is something absolutely amazing, or something incredible, or you had a, 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 a just a, a great experience. I don't know. Maybe it was uh, maybe you went to a music concert, or maybe you saw a certain movie, or you went to a restaurant and you had a, a certain dish. And so, it was so fascinating. It was so great that the natural response is that you want to go back again. You want to have that same experience. I'm, I'm sure you've had it, you've had it before. That, you, that It was so good the first time. You're looking forward to it again the second time. But because you're under the impression that the experience is going to be amazing again, when it happens and the experience isn't like it was before, you feel let down. You feel disappointed, maybe even frustrated or angry. Um, I remember when I was a kid, I used to go with my parents. um, I mean, this was probably over 30 years ago uh, down to the South side on Military Drive, the famous Hungry Farmers. I don't know how many of y'all have been to Hungry Farmers. I used to go there as a kid all the time And it was amazing. Uh, As a kid, uh, my parents, being true Texans, raised me on steak and country fried chicken, all the good stuff. Forget the baby food, I was raised on meat coming out of the womb. And it was just absolutely fascinating. To me, Hungry Farmers was the greatest place on earth. So now being married, I was down on the south side a couple of weeks ago they're on military. I told my wife, let's go to Hungry Farmers. They're still open. I haven't been there for so long since I was a kid. Let me tell you, this is amazing. We gotta go there. I get there and I was so disappointed in the quality of the service, the quality of the food. I apologize if any of y'all work at Hungry Farmers, but it was, it was not the same. I left so depressed. I don't know if you've ever had that type of experience where you've experienced something so great were so amazing, just something just impacted you, and then you went back thinking you were going to have it again the same way, only to be let down. You see, that's what happens with the people of Israel, especially the older generation. They thought the second temple was going to be like the first temple, but they noticed that it, it wasn't the same, and so they were let down, they were, they were disappointed, their expectations were not met and the problem was that with the second temple, it was, it was missing some important things that the first temple had. The first temple that King Solomon had built, it had the Ark of the Covenant. I don't know how many of y'all have seen um, Raiders of the Lost Ark with Indiana Jones. But in that movie, it's pretty much he's uh, searching for the Ark of the Covenant And so that's when when the word of God talks about the Ark of the Covenant, it's talking about that Ark that we see in that movie in Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's just a simple uh, illustration there in the movie. But that Ark of the Covenant had been with the people of Israel since uh, their exodus of egypt since they were wandering through the deserts said that ark of the covenant was there in the holy of holies inside the tabernacle and was now in the holy of holies in the first temple well when they went ahead and rebuilt the second temple when they started construction they didn't have the ark of the covenant and the ark of the covenant was extremely important it represented god's presence it represented the promise that god had given to israel When the first temple was dedicated to God, it it tells us uh, that in the scripture, and and just to refer to it, I'm not going to read it, but in 1 Kings chapter 8, it tells us that the priests could not even serve in the temple when it was first dedicated to God because the glory of God that was sitting on the Ark of the Covenant was so overwhelming. It was too much. They couldn't even come inside. It was too powerful. They couldn't enter then it even tells us in second chronicles chapter 7 that the fire came down from heaven and consumed all the sacrifices on the altar of god so the people had seen these things at the dedication of the first temple but they didn't see these things in the second temple And so the second temple was missing the Ark of the Covenant. And with no Ark, there was no glory of God like before. Without God's glory, there was no fire coming down from heaven. And the rebuilding of the second temple, so at the rebuilding of the second temple, the people saw no Ark, no glory, no fire. So you can imagine the great disappointment that they had. It wasn't like before. So the people cried. They cried because the temple was not the same It wasn't like before, but then God sends his prophets to speak to the people. And so I want you to follow me, please, to the book of Haggai. There in Haggai, I'm going to go to chapter two, and I'm going to read verses one through five, if you can follow me. In the book of Haggai, chapter two, verses one through five, the word of God says this, on the 21st of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai, the prophet, saying, Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people, saying, look at verse 3. Who is left among you who saw this temple in its former glory? And how do you see it now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? in comparison but now take courage Zerubbabel declares the Lord take courage also Joshua son of Jehozadak the high priest and all you people of the land take courage declares the Lord and work for I am with you declares the Lord of hosts as for the promise which I made you when you came out of Egypt my spirit is abiding in your midst do not fear So God directly speaks to the people who are disappointed in the rebuilding of the temple. He also speaks to the leaders who may have uh, felt like they have failed. And so God tells his people there in verse 4, I am with you. Some of the people may have believed that because they did not have the Ark of the Covenant with them, then the presence of God was not there. But God tells them, you may not have the Ark of the Covenant, but I am still here with you. The Ark of the Covenant not only represented the presence of God, but it also represented the promise of God. The fear of many was, if God's Ark is not with us, does that mean that his promise is no longer valid? So then in verse 5, God uh, 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 gives comfort to his people and he tells them, I am keeping my promise with you. Even though you do not have the Ark of the Covenant, I will honor and re- remain faithful to the promise I have given you. My promise as God with you, as my people, still stands. He sa- God says, my spirit continues to dwell with you, my people. Then the prophet Zechariah continues this thought and he picks up. There in Zechariah, if you can please go with me. Zechariah chapter four, verses eight through 10. In Zechariah chapter four, verses eight through 10, it says this. Also, the word of the Lord came to me saying, the hands of Zerubbabel, I have laid the foundation of this house and his hands will finish it. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent you to me. Look at verse 10, verse 10. For who has despised the day of small things? But, then, but these seven will be glad when they see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. These are the eyes of the Lord, which range to and fro throughout the earth. So what does God tell the people of Israel? You may have been disappointed in the small beginnings of the rebuilding of this temple. But God is pleased with what is being done for his glory. This message I brought to my own congregation as a word of encouragement earlier this year. You see, as we rebuild our lives during and after this pandemic, we should not be disappointed with small beginnings. Many churches have reopened and many other churches are still preparing to reopen their temple doors. Yet the truth is that things are probably not going to be the same. We have to wear masks. We can't be too close to each other. We can't really hug and greet each other like we want to or like we used to. Maybe the children's classes may be unavailable. Many, maybe many of our ministries, events, and activities had to be put on hold. The Regathering of the church and the rebuilding of our lives will have small beginnings. Yet God says, I am with you. My promise still stands. We may not have all the things that we had before, but God's spirit, still dwells among us. So let us not be disappointed with the day of small things because our God is pleased with all that glorifies him, no matter how great or how small it may be. Now, another reason why some of the people of Israel were disappointed in the rebuilding of the temple was because they didn't have all the supplies and the materials they had before. In other words, the quality of the second temple was not as good as the first temple. When the first temple was built, you have to understand King Solomon ruled over Israel. That under his father, David, had become the greatest, one of the greatest nations in the world. And King Solomon was also one of the wealthiest kings in the world. I mean, people from all, of the, all over the world, including kings uh, and leaders, would travel to Israel to see King Solomon's riches and great empire. So with all his fortune and power, King Solomon built a temple that was beyond anything that you could imagine. But now... As the people were trying to rebuild the temple of God, it wasn't the same. Of course, they had received many generous contributions from the people, and even King Cyrus of Persia had given to the cause, yet it wasn't the same. It wasn't in the same magnitude as the first temple. Many people from Israel were, were frustrated frustrated and sad with their limitations to give for the rebuilding of the temple. I believe that the people of Israel who were disappointed with the rebuilding of the temple were actually disappointed with themselves. They were disappointed because God deserves better, yet this is the best that we can do. In talking to several pastors, I've noticed the frustrations of many churches in reopening during this pandemic. The limitations of what can be done and what can't be done, it's paralyzing. Knowing that God deserves our best And wanting to give God our best, yet being unable to give God your best, can be discouraging. However, God in his loving grace, he understands our limitations. In our humble efforts, God shows us his divine hand. I want you to return with me back to the prophet Haggai where we were before. And I want us to read a few verses of how God speaks to the people over their concerns on not being able to give enough or not being able to do enough. Go to Haggai chapter 2. And I want you to read with me verses 6 through 8. In Haggai chapter 2, verses 6 through 8, God speaks through the prophet, and he says this. For thus says the Lord of hosts, once more in a little while, I am going to shake the heavens and the earth, the sea, also the dry land. I will shake all the nations, and they will come with the wealth of all nations. And I will fill this house with Glory, says the Lord of hosts. Look what verse 8 says. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. Isn't this beautiful? God is telling his people, "You, you have given all that you can. I, the Lord, will provide the rest. When we give to God our best, no matter how little it is, he will multiply it and he will bless it because everything is his. We continue on with Zechariah. Please go to Zechariah chapter 4, verses 6 through 7. Zechariah chapter 4, verses 6 through 7 says this. Then he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel saying, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. What are you, O great mountain, before Zerubbabel? You will become a plain, and he will bring forth the top stone with shouts of grace, grace to it. So through the prophet Haggai and through the prophet Zechariah, God is speaking to his people. Do not be disappointed in the quality of this second temple because you feel as if you have not given enough. Because you feel as if you have not done enough. You see many churches around our community, around our city, many pastors right now are going through some difficult times with these uh, limitations and, with, uh, and and all these regulations of, of this pandemic and what's going on and the fear that has uh, uh, infected the people. And so, They feel if maybe we should do something else, if maybe we can give something else, things would become better. And there comes a time where we have to accept that it's out of our hands and leave it in the hands of God. God will do what we cannot. And maybe this is not only just restricted to the church. Maybe this is for your own life. Maybe you feel limited in what you've been able to do with your family, with your children going back to school, with your jobs, with your employment, with your social life, or maybe just in general with life. Maybe you feel like there's nothing more that you can do to try to get back to what was once a normal life. And God says, you've done all that you can do. Now let me take care of your work and do what is needed. I will do what you cannot. I will take care of the rest. We have to remember, this is the same Lord that used a small rock to kill a giant. This is the same Lord that took a few fish and some pieces of bread and fed multitudes of people. This is the same Lord that took two small coins from a widow to teach one of the greatest lessons in giving. Whatever little we have, whatever whatever little we are limited to, God will take our little. And he will make it great in his hands. And we have to just rest in him. We have to just trust in him. Whether it's with your church, whether it's your family, whether it's your job, whether the kids at school, you have to just give all your little, all your limitations, whatever effort that you can give and bring it to the hands of God. Because right now we're living in a world where everyone is trying to figure out a remedy to the, to the problem. Government is trying to figure out the answer. Uh, uh, society is trying to figure out the answer. Nations, countries, the world is trying to figure out the answer. Everybody is trying to do by their own might, by their own power. And it tells us there, according to the prophet it t- Zechariah, God tells the people, it is not by your might. It is not by your power. It's not, uh, it's not about what you can do. It's about what the Lord God Almighty of Israel can do for you. And that's what God wants to tell you this morning. Maybe, you're, maybe no one knows it. But maybe inside your mind and your heart, you've been ferociously battling every day to get up and to continue on. Maybe you're exhausted. Maybe on the outside, people see you as being a strong person, but on the inside, you're falling apart. You don't know how you're gonna make it to see the next day. And God says, that's fine. It doesn't have to be all on you. Take those burdens and bring them to Christ. Is it not our Lord Jesus Christ who says, those who are weary, bring me your burdens and trust me and rest on me? Maybe with this pandemic, you've been trying to get back to normal life and and, and it's not really working out for you or maybe it's not working out for your friend, or maybe it's not working out for a loved one or a relative that you know about. Trying to adjust and adapt to all the changes, maybe it's wreaking havoc to your life, physically, emotionally, mentally, maybe even spiritually. Maybe you're running on fumes right now. Yet trust that God is working. Trust that God is working. No matter how small that work may seem. You see, sometimes in our lives, we're moved by the big, great, flashy things. It's when we see great things appear that we really, truly feel as if God is moving in our lives. But God tells his people, don't despise the day of small things. Those small accomplishments that I'm doing in your life, those are great victories. Sometimes we can be like the prophets and we can think that God is in the earthquake. Sometimes we can be like prophets and think that God is in the fire from the heavens. Something, sometimes we can be like the prophets and think that God is in the strong hurricane winds. But and then God says, I'm not in any of those things. Yet I'm in the small whisper. We have to go back to how God works. We have to accept that he's working in our lives no matter how small or trivial it might seem. God is working in our lives because to be honest with you, with God, there are no small things. There are only vast opportunities for God to show how great he is. I want to finish with giving you a story Last year I had the opportunity to travel to Israel, and one of the most exciting places that I found on that trip was when we went to visit the Temple Mount. I don't know how many of you have been to Israel, but when they take you to the Temple Mount, they take you to the Southern Steps, and the Southern Steps is where you would go ahead and enter all the general public, would enter the temple. And there they had the original stones from the times of Jesus, of the steps that are going up to the entrance of the temple. Now the gates of the entrance of the temple are, are, are pretty much bricked off. They're all, they're all bricked off. And the temple that was once there, that was once rebuilt by the Jews is now torn down. It was torn down in 70 AD by Rome. And so now what they have there is pretty much uh, the rock of the dome. They have the mosque. The Muslims pretty much have authority over where the temple of the the Lord God of Israel used to be. And it's kind of bittersweet, to be honest with you. Because you're reading the history and the tour guides, they're really good. They're really educated in Israel history. And they're surprisingly really educated in the New Testament scriptures. And interestingly enough, Israel demands that any licensed uh, tour guide for Israel has to know Israeli history and New Testament scriptures because they do a lot of tour guides for a lot of Christians going on pilgrimage tours. And so when they're going through this whole history of how uh, the Jews and the disciples and Jesus went up the southern steps to go inside the temple. You're there sitting on the steps, hearing this history, hearing these stories. And it's bittersweet because you're in that place where Jesus once walked and went up into the temple where it says that he would teach. But it's also sour because that temple is no longer there. It It is gone. But and then you begin to remember the words of Jesus. You begin to remember that He said that at one time, these buildings, these walls, these temples would no longer be here. They would once one day come and be destroyed. But something greater would take their place. The physical temple was destroyed in Israel, in Jerusalem, in 70 AD. But with the birth of the church of Jesus Christ, something greater came to us, and that was Jesus building the temple in our hearts. This is something that the people in the book of Ezra could never imagine. All they could see the physical, but they could not see the spiritual. And so today there's something I want to I want you to take with you is that do not become blinded by the physical things that are surrounding you in this world. Christ wants you to put your eyes on what is spiritual. Don't put your complete focus on just the temporal. But remember that we as the body of Christ as Christians as children of God, our focus has to be on the eternal. When our church went through this financial dilemma and I had no clue how we were going to support majority of all of our families that had lost their jobs, that had no clue how they were going to pay rent, some of them how they were going to feed the family. It was pretty pretty drastic. I'd never been in that type of situation before. I told the congregation set your eyes on the physical continue to set your eyes on the spiritual the Lord will provide as he has provided before within a month after saying those words to the congregation I received news through Pastor Daniel our church wants to bless you and when I announced that to our congregation you cannot imagine the feeling of relief, of knowing that even though in the physical realm, things look like they're on chaos and have no hope and no answer, God still comes through. I don't know the condition of your mind and your heart this morning. To be honest with you, I don't know majority of all of you. I just know Pastor Daniel. But what I do know is that the same Christ that I serve is the same Christ that you serve. And the same Jesus that I follow and that I love is the same Jesus that you follow and that you love. And I know that my Jesus has answered my prayers and the prayers of my congregation. And my Jesus will answer your prayers, the prayers of your church, the prayers of your, for your family, prayers for your jobs, prayers for your children, prayers for your schools, prayers for whatever you're going through in this time. But let us not forget that God continues to work. Let us not despise the day of small things because God will take what is small and it will become great in his hands. Let us pray. Heavenly Father God, I thank you so much for this word. Lord Jesus, I pray that this message has been planted in the minds and the hearts of your people, however you see fit. Lord Father God, I pray that it has not only edified your body, but let it be something, let it be a message of hope that they can share with others, Heavenly Father God. Let it be a message that they could carry not only for themselves but for their loved ones, for their friends. I thank you for this congregation, Heavenly Father. I've seen the evidence of their love in what they have done for our congregation. I've seen the passion that their pastor has. I've seen the serving heart of their leaders. I thank you, Lord Father God. I pray, Lord Jesus, at this moment, if there's anyone that maybe right now is going through just a rough patch, they're going through hard times, maybe they've been hiding it, maybe they've been putting on a a strong character, a strong attitude, Maybe they've been trying to comfort other people, but in reality, maybe they're the ones that need to be comforted. I pray that this message is like a soothing lotion on them, Heavenly Father God, that is like an ointment to their wounds. They're where they're at, Lord Father God. Put your healing hand upon them and just help bring them comfort, counsel them, Heavenly Father God, Let them have tranquility. Let your people sleep in peace and let them wake up in the morning in victory. Thank you for the great honor and blessing that it has been in allowing me to speak your word in truth and love to your people. In the name of Jesus, we pray and we thank you, Lord. Amen.